Now, this is my first time analyzing midterm elections, and I learned quite a bit. Most importantly, I learned why we lost. Put quite simply, Republicans are the losing party. Marjorie Taylor Greene recently said that politics are a blood sport, and to be quite honest, she's right. Now, typically in a sport, you draft the best players in the league, understand your opponent's weaknesses, learn how to properly play the game as a team work together for that big win. But most importantly, you suspend the players that just aren't cutting it. Now, unfortunately, the Republican Party has not learned these basic lessons, which is probably what prompted this tweet from Matt Gates calling out GOP leadership as McFailures. He's referring to Kevin McCarthy, Ronna McDaniel, and of course, Mitch McConnell as Mick failures. Now we'll get to them in a second, but let's take Tom Emmer as the latest example of how the GOP absolutely loves to lose. Now, Greg Price did a great job of um, basically highlighting that Tom Emmer was the chair of the NRCC this election cycle. He was basically the guy who was in charge of electing Republicans to Congress, once saying that we could win by up to 70 seats. But of course, that red wave turned into a red trickle. Now, Price has talked to a lot of people who work on the Hill who have told him that Tom Emmer was more focused in the last few months on running for whip than electing Republicans to Congress. If there's one man responsible for the lack of a red wave, it was him. Now we uh, fast forward to today in the House GOP conference just elected, yes, Tom Emmer as their nominee for whip. And let's take a peek at this man's track record. First off, he once served as a paid spokesperson for a Soros-funded organization seeking to get rid of the Electoral College. But my friends, it gets much worse than that. He was also one of nine Republicans to block Trump's ban on transgender soldiers in the military and once voted for a bill to strip federal contracts from businesses that don't allow boys to use the girls' bathroom. Emmer also sent a letter to the Department of Transportation agreeing with Pete Buttigieg that America's highways were racist. And um, he also wants to give green cards away to big tech so they can get more cheap labor from overseas. Now, tomorrow, the House GOP is going to vote for their leaders in the next Congress. Um, Oh, wait, never mind where we're still going. Yes, they're going to be doing that. Uh, but basically, what I want to highlight here is, um, you know, the reality of the Republican Party in 2022. No, it wasn't Donald Trump who was to blame for the absence of the huge red wave that we were promised, but the weak Republican leadership who refuses to put America over their own selfish desires. And with that, welcome back to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez, your host for this episode. Now, of course, we're going to be talking about midterms, but we're also going to be monitoring in live time Donald Trump's speech because many are speculating that he is set to announce his run for president in 2024 tonight. So we will be keeping our eye on that throughout the show. Uh, but of course, before we delve into everything, please remember that this show is sponsored by you. It, it is funded by you guys, the beautiful subscribers, the beautiful viewers. Thank you all so much for your support. Now, some of the best ways you can support the show is by checking out my subscribe star. The link is down below. Now, I put a lot of research into each and every single one of these shows. On my subscribe star, you can find the document to the link of all of the articles, videos, tweets, uh, you know, research links to everything that I put into each individual show. You can find that on subscribe star um, for free. You don't have to subscribe there, but um, check that out. You also get access to direct messaging with me on my subscribe star. And it's just a good way to support the show. Another way is, of course, 
by supporting our good friends at oldcountrysoap.com and using code SAV, S-A-V, for 20% off of your order. Now, I am consistently saying that Old Country Soap is some of the best in the game, and I've been reaching out to you guys, too, who have bought the soap and asking your response to it. And I have not gotten one bad response, um, you know, to somebody who's purchased this product. They absolutely love it. It comes in a sisal fiber soap bag, which is a great way to naturally exfoliate your body. We want to exfoliate the skin. So that way we are absorbing all of the all natural chemical free ingredients in each bar of this incredible handmade soap. It's made the Amish way on a farm in South Dakota. We love to support our American businesses. And this one is one of my favorites. So check out oldcountrysoap.com. That's old spelled O-L-D countrysoap.com and use coupon code SAV, S-A-V, for 20% off of your order. Now, let's go ahead and jump into the midterms. What happened? I'm giving you guys a recap here because I was sick on Friday. And I'm still kind of getting over my sickness. Sorry, my voice sounds weird. Um, So that's why I wasn't able to give you guys this recap last week. So we're going to have a very in-depth show today. We're going to recap everything because I really want to highlight some of the issues here, right? We have a lot of people trying to pin the blame on Donald Trump for what happened during the midterms. We have a lot of GOP members, a lot of rhinos, a lot of never Trumpers who are saying that he shouldn't be running, who are trying to pit DeSantis versus Trump while simultaneously ignoring the reality of why we lost these midterms. So we're going to be focusing on this candidate quality lie when in reality, you know, the truth is that we have uh, losing leadership in the Republican Party. We're also going to be focusing in on um, the expansion of vote by mail and how Democrats utilized this properly to reelect or elect new candidates. We're going to be talking about misplaced funds that were used to push America first candidates out of the House and Senate and instead elevate, um, again, a lot of these these candidates that maybe Mitch McConnell or Kevin McCarthy wanted to get into office. So we'll be discussing that. We're also going to be talking about Republican failure to reach out to the youth and how the youth did show up and show out. And that's why we did see a lot of these really inept, stupid, idiotic leaders uh, elected to our House and Senate who were saying all of the right things and campaigning on all of the right issues for the youth. And then again, we're going to be focusing in on how Republicans don't know how to play the game. Like MTG said, politics is the blood sport. We're not playing the game correctly. Now, most recent update in regards to our midterms, Republicans have secured the majority in the House of Representatives. This came out about two hours ago. The call was made after Kevin Kiley, Republican, was declared the winner in California's third congressional district. We still have 14 races that remain uncalled, but Republicans are assured of at least 218 seats in the House, which again is that majority, which you need to pass the majority of bills through Congress. Now, Going into Kevin McCarthy, Mitch McConnell, Ronna McDaniel, a lot of the failed leadership that we're seeing from the Republican Party at the top, right? The very tippy top. Now, Tom Emmer, who we discussed in the beginning of the show, I believe is the best example of GOP leadership and how they are consistently placing their bets on losing leaders, losing candidates and people who refuse to put America first, people who refuse to put um, what the constituents want at the forefront. No, it's selfish interest and it's these old party leaders that are 
just, you know, pining for power and grabbing for it and will put their own selfish desire for power ahead of the entire country, which is currently crumbling. Now, today, Kevin McCarthy has been elected um, to be the Republican nominee for Speaker of the House on a 188 to 31 vote by the GOP conference. This does not mean that he is Speaker of the House yet. It means that he is the nominee. Now, he is facing some backlash. Um, For example, the Daily Caller wrote this piece. Representative Bob Good says Republicans got rolled in the midterms, and he blames Kevin McCarthy at his conference meeting. Now, I want to focus in on um, these last few paragraphs here, specifically the Freedom Caucus members who have threatened to withhold support from McCarthy unless the GOP changes House rules that the caucus believes gives too much power to the speaker. Most notably, and honestly, I kind of agree with this one, they're demanding that the House reinstate the motion to vacate the chair, which allows any member to request a vote to remove the speaker. Nancy Pelosi eliminated the motion after Democrats took back the lower chamber in 2018, and quick moment here, breaking news, just in Trump filed forms to run for president of the United States in 2024. So I'm not sure if he's made the official announcement yet, but he has officially filed FEC paperwork for that 2024 presidential run. So Donald Trump, this is not a surprise to anybody, but he is going to officially be running for president in 2024. And again, everybody um, saying that he has filed that FEC paperwork. I'm not sure if he's made the actual announcement himself yet, but this is currently breaking on Twitter. And actually, people are putting up pictures of his podium from Mar-a-Lago. I'm sorry, I'm monitoring this on a different computer or I'd show you guys on screen. But uh, his podium says Trump and it says 2024 on the bottom there. So very clear indications that he is going to be running. Um, I'll keep you guys updated on that. Uh, but again, going back to Kevin McCarthy here before you know we hear from the big man himself, because I don't believe he's set to start speaking for another 10 minutes. Uh, the media works fast, but Twitter works faster. Uh, going back to Kevin McCarthy, the Gateway Pundit did put out this article titled 10 Reasons Why Kevin McCarthy Should Never Be Republican Speaker of the House. And I'll go ahead and link this one down below if you guys are interested. But I really want to focus in on number three. McCarthy spent millions to defeat pro-Trump Republicans. GOP challenger Joe Kent, minority leader leader Kevin McCarthy and GOP establishment spent $4.5 million on a smear campaign to defeat him in the last 12 days of the election. Now, if you guys weren't familiar with Joe Kent, he was, I believe, a Green Beret. He was in the military. He served. He actually lost his wife as well. Um, she was a service member. Uh, you know, if anybody should have been in Congress, it should have been Joe Kent. And, um, here we had Kevin McCarthy himself, who's trying to be House Speaker, who's trying to be, uh, again, the Speaker of the House, the leader of, you know, the, the Congress, the Republicans here. Striking down Joe Kent, campaigning against him, use, utilizing funding to uh, defeat those pro-Trump Republicans. Now, this has to do more with Congress, but I do want to highlight what happened in Arizona because I was not able to speak on this when it happened. They did call the gubernatorial race in Arizona for Katie Hobbs. Um, this was a Republican to Democrat flip. And Katie Hobbs apparently has defeated Carrie Lake for governor of Arizona. Now, I'm going to run with you guys through why this happened. Of course, we're very upset that Carrie Lake 
lost to a woman who refused to debate her, who barely campaigned. The only reason why we even knew Katie Hobbs' name was because she was running against Carrie Lake, who was one of the strongest America First candidates this entire country has seen, uh, to be quite honest. So Decision Desk did call the gubernatorial race, and this happened yesterday, for Katie Hobbs. And Charlie Kirk lays out why that might have been. While Carrie Lake was out campaigning and earning votes, the Democrats in Arizona were ballot capturing and tracking down mail-in ballots. Politics is no longer about crowds, messaging, or supporters. It's about machinery and, quote, winning the game, which is absolutely true. And this is something that I think a lot of people in the right wing, not just Republicans, but right-wingers as a whole, had to learn the hard way. They had to learn that there was this expansion of mail-in voting and to properly win elections at this point, you have to play the game. You have to, you know, target those people who are doing the early voting, who are doing mail-in voting, uh, because I really do think that a part of the faulty leadership that we have in office, because Kevin McCarthy isn't the only person to blame here. We're going to be getting into Mitch McConnell here in a moment on top of the faulty leadership in power right now that is more intent on keeping power for themselves instead of, you know, again, electing these America first candidates who are actually going to make this country better. Um, we also have mail-in voting that we're having to battle against. Now, giving you guys an example of what did happen in Arizona, um, Maricopa County, for example, the, the, the machines that were supposed to be reading people's ballots were not working. Let me play you a quick clip of that. <laughs> So this was a scene that played out tens of thousands of times across Maricopa County where voters just potentially simply ran out of time or felt disenfranchised because they were trying to have their ballot read and it just did not work. Oh, really? It didn't work here? It did there? No, it worked here first time. How we voted? So this was one of the issues that um, happened in Maricopa County is that the voting machines just didn't work. Many people were complaining that they had to wait in line two to three hours. And to be quite honest with you, a lot of voters don't have that time. A lot of voters have better things to do than to wait in line for three hours to hope that their vote gets counted to hope that their ballot gets accepted by one of these machines. Another issue, Maricopa County now says that 70 of their 223 voting locations were affected by printer problems on Tuesday, up from the initial estimate of about 60. However, officials did say that all of those ballots were accurately counted and we can keep going. What ended up happening, too, before the race was called for Katie Hobbs over Carrie Lake? Keep in mind that Katie Hobbs was Secretary of State of Arizona, and she was tasked with running this election and making sure that the voting system worked flawlessly. I, I believe it was Robbie Starbuck who was talking about how even in Colombia, they do not allow people who are running for a specific seat to oversee the elections because even in Colombia, they know that that is not good. It was either Colombia or Cuba. Um, I will, I believe it was Colombia, but basically look into that one. So even in some of the most corrupt countries on earth, they won't even allow this type of thing to happen. But here in the United States, we have third world elections as we slowly descend into a third world country. Um, before the race was called for Katie Hobbs, Arizona election results were said to be delayed until after the weekend. So we were told, hey, we're not going to know the counts. Sorry, there's nothing that we can do. And then you have the media coming in, MSNBC, saying that Maricopa, Maricopa County's vote counting 
with some of the best in the country. And I want to under I want you guys to understand what this is. Okay, this is the media trying to reinforce that this is how our election system should work. This is the media trying to reinforce this idea that it shouldn't be election day, but it should be election week or maybe even election month because that's how proper elections are won. Understand how influential the media is. Remember back in 2020, they were saying, don't expect the election results on election night. And then they didn't happen. And now we're seeing the same exact thing happen two years later. And there is going to be a large subset of the generation that just voted for the first time, Gen Z, who is looking at the way that our election system works and saying, oh, this is just normal. One of the best examples that I can give for this is the Patriot Act and TSA. I don't remember ever living through a time where you weren't walking through TSA to go through the airport. It has been normal to me throughout my entire life to take off my shoes, to be potentially stopped and frisked by TSA, to have these TSA agents make me throw away my water bottles, throw away my property because, you know, it was the, the wrong size, um, you know, for TSA protocol or whatnot. That's always been normal for me throughout my entire life. And until I started doing research into our own government, I didn't realize that this was something that was enacted post 9-11 via the Patriot Act. This is the exact same thing that's going to happen to Gen Z voters who think that election night has always been this way, that it's always been election week, that it's always taken a long time to count votes, that, you know, this is a normal thing. So understand what the media is trying to do when they reinforce this type of rhetoric that Maricopa County has the best counting system in the country. No, absolutely not. And one of the important things that we do need to do as a society is reinforced in this next generation that the way our country is currently being run is not normal. We need to stop normalizing the drug use on the streets, the homelessness, the bad election system that we currently have in place. We need to stop normalizing people with mental illness being leaders of our country as something that's progressive and loving. Joe Biden should not be in a leadership position. Um, Fetterman should not be in a leadership position. It's an absolute joke, and this is not how a decent country should be run. Now, we do have control of the House, but unfortunately, Democrats will keep control of the Senate. And that came with the victory in Nevada. Unfortunately, Republican Adam Laxalt lost to Catherine Cortez Mosto, um, giving the Democrats 50 seats even before the Georgia runoff December 6th. Again, going back to our flawed election system. In Clark County, Nevada, they had 50,000 ballots left to be tallied. They said it was going to take until Monday to finish counting them. And they reported this last week on Thursday. On top of that, you had um, Washoe County have their election live stream cameras go dark overnight. I'm just highlighting how strange, uh, you know, these things are. Mike Cernovich tweeted this out alongside another tweet that read, Tonight's ballots from Washoe County push Democrat Cisco Aguilar into a lead over GOP Secretary of State candidate Jim Marchant, which will hold um, if Fincham loses in Arizona down by 109k votes right now. Every America First Secretary of State candidate will have lost. Again, that comes from the same county where their election live stream cameras went dark overnight. So people just highlighting there um, how important this county was, right? And how important it was for everybody to have their eyes on this. Now, Officials from these counties said that they looked at all the security cameras surrounding the building and nobody went in or out of the you know room where they were counting these ballots for the entirety of the night. 
All I'll say to that is sometimes officials lie to you, just like the official volunteer outside a prevention point in Philadelphia who told me that I couldn't film on a public street because she didn't want me exposing the needle exchange program that's taxpayer funded in Philadelphia. Just, a, you know, an example of how officials can lie. I'm not saying the officials in Washoe County were YouTube, but, you know, just an example there. Now, we're also going to highlight J.D. Vance. He wrote this great piece basically highlighting the structural problems with our voting system. And we're going to read these two paragraphs here, uh, basically highlighting why it was that there weren't as many people who showed up to the midterms. And he basically lays out that he believes it's because Donald Trump was not on the ballot. I was listening to Dan Bongino this morning, who was basically discussing how uh, Donald Trump did a great job of bringing out those blue-collar workers to the polls. And we saw a big turnout of those people back in, you know, like 2016. However, because he was not on the ballot, that could have been one of the reasons why uh, we lost these midterms. Also, J.D. Vance writes, in the short term, as illustrated last week, um, advantages serve as a reminder of the need for voting reform in this country, modeled on successes in states like Ohio at running clean, fair elections, establishing fair but appropriately narrow windows to return ballots, implementing signature verification, conducting all pre-election work necessary to facilitate rapid tabulation of early votes when polls close, and implementing national photo ID requirements to ensure elections are secure. So J.D. Vance basically proposing that we tighten up our election system, tighten up uh, the way that we're counting votes, making sure our, tabu uh, yeah, our tabulators are working properly, that these machines aren't going down, making sure that we're IDing the people that are voting in our country to make sure that they actually have the ability to do so, that they're actually maybe, you know, American citizens. That would probably be a good thing to uh, check in on and look out for, especially since remember that for the fiscal year of 2022, over 2.7 million illegal immigrants came across our border. Um, historic number. We've never seen that many illegals cross our border for the first time. And, um, I believe there is a loophole where illegal immigrants can vote in our federal elections, by the way. So, um, yeah, we probably need to tighten those up a bit. Now, Ted Cruz came forward and he was blaming Mitch McConnell. Give me two seconds here. I'm just going to go ahead and refresh Twitter, see if there is an update on Donald Trump here. I mean, everybody's focused in on those FEC filings. So, yeah, I, I think it's pretty clear to say that he has announced that he's going to be running for president in 2022, 2024. Sorry, we are in 2022. So there's that announcement on that one. So back to, again, how we do win 2024, how we can focus in on having a strong Republican Party because this ain't it right now. Now, Ted Cruz wants to blame Mitch McConnell for the GOP midterm losses. A lot of people diverting blame to Mitch McConnell because he put a lot of funding into Lisa Murkowski's Senate race uh, against, who was she running against? She was running against, I can't remember her name off of the top of my head, but she was basically a Trump-endorsed candidate in Alaska running for Senate. And uh, Mitch McConnell put all of the funding behind Murkowski because he was wanting Murkowski to vote for him for Speaker of the House. So many people very upset that McConnell, instead of, again, backing those America First candidates who had a legitimate chance to really beat out their Democrat opponent, instead pitting Republican against Republican. So a lot of people very upset um, at Mitch McConnell. Uh, McConnell's PAC reportedly yanked $8 million in campaign spending from Arizona after Blake Masters won his primary election, according to Fox News. So another example of how Mitch McConnell was also directly involved in Blake Masters potentially not winning his seat because Blake Master 
Masters was severely out fundraised in Arizona. Now, let's get into another issue, and that is the targeting of the younger generation. Now, Stephen Crowder says, the left lied to Gen Z for their vote. We need to bring their attention back to the em empty promises that were made. Now, I actually have a counter opinion to this, and I don't agree with Stephen Crowder, because to be quite honest with you, I don't think that left-wing Gen Z voters care that they were lied to. They know that they were lied to very well. and. They don't care. Sorry, my dad's giving me updates right now. He's saying that Donald Trump is walking onto the stage. But like I said, we already gave you guys that big announcement. We already know that a Donald Trump's running in 2024. Hopefully he can, uh, you know, take the steering wheel of America and get us back on track because we are currently crashing and burning while our leader naps. By the way, quick update on Joe Biden. He's in Bali, Indonesia for the G20 summit. I need to call a lid on going to the leader's dinner because he has a cold, because he's sick. So Joe Biden doesn't even have the physical capacity to attend dinners with other world leaders. That's where we're currently at on the international stage. But going back to uh, Gen Z, Crowder saying that the left lied to Gen Z for their vote and we need to basically educate Gen Z on how they were lied to. I disagree with that. The left wing does a great job of radicalizing their base by exaggerating a lot of their issues. One of those, for example, being Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. Now, this has already been struck down by a federal judge in Texas. Uh, the, the judge ruled that President Joe Biden's plan to cancel hundreds of billions of dollars in student loan debt was unconstitutional and must be vacated. And I'm very glad that this decision was made because here is a uh, quick segment from CNBC on what 73% of these students were planning on doing with their uh, student loan forgiveness money. Listen. Money Minute. Recipients of President Biden's student debt forgiveness plan could see their monthly payments drop up to $300 a month in the coming weeks. But get this, 73% say they actually plan to spend that extra cash on travel and dining out. And joining us now is CNBC Tech Check co-anchor Deirdre Bosa. So Deirdre, why are people more inclined to spend the money they're saving on non-essentials instead of paying off their bills? I think we may know the answer. Well, that, that could be according to one survey, but it, you know, it could be easy as well for some people to enjoy traveling and eating out rather than worrying about the future. One financial coach tells CNBC.com that you should not use the loan forgiveness only for long-term goals. Your short, short-term self may get frustrated and give up on planning ahead altogether. So instead, they say, make sure your regular bills are paid, check in on your goals and try to achieve a balance that also lets you invest in your future self. So there you go. That's how 73% of students were planning on spending the money that taxpayers were going to have to foot the bill for. They're planning on spending it on travel and dining out and having a good time. And then you have this pundit on CNBC saying that that's actually a really good way to spend that money because you have to invest in your future self. So great job to these federal judges for striking down Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. Now, the reason why I brought this up is because this is something that a lot of Democrats did campaign on. I'm sure that they knew that this was going to be struck down and that it was unconstitutional, but they don't have a problem lying to their base. They don't have a problem telling Gen Z voters what they want to hear to get those votes. Another thing that they campaigned on and fear mongered about was abortion. 
And that's why uh, I do think that a lot of these Democrats did win their midterm elections because they hounded abortion home. This is from CNN opinion. Here's what got my Gen Z friends to turn out at the polls. Now, this is from a young woman from uh, the University of Missouri in Kansas City who basically says that abortion is the reason that she came out to vote. And then she goes on to talk about how, uh, you know, the where is the portion here? Here we go. So it says in some ways, Republicans move to put this measure on the ballot actually did some of us a favor It helped my peers to connect the dots that voting is actually a way to bring about change or a way to prevent an unwelcome outcome. Ultimately, 59% of Kansas voted no on a constitutional amendment that would have sharply curtailed abortion access in our state. More than 900,000 voters turned out the largest primary in Kansas history. So abortion was a very big talking point for Democrats. They went so far too as to put out these types of advertisements Uh, Eric Swalwell put this out on October 17th, and I never ended up playing it on my show because I thought it was so ridiculous. But it's essentially an advertisement that shows a woman getting arrested at her home. She's having family dinner. She gets a knock on the door. And then these police show up to say that she's getting arrested for getting an abortion, which is not something that's actually going to happen in this country. But again, Democrats do a very good job of scaring their base into submission. Eric Swalwell, uh, tweets this out saying MAGA Republicans want women arrested for having an abortion. This is what that looks like. So the Democrats very strong on their messaging. And to be quite honest, I think that Republicans need to start following suit. Democrats have zero issue lying to their base. And of course, I do feel that Republicans or if you will, America first candidates or the right wing have a harder time lying to their base because we want our base to be educated. We don't want to have to exaggerate these issues. We want our base to vote with common sense and logic. However, it does seem that the next generation that is being raised up needs to be told what to think. So maybe we do need to start making more exaggerated claims in regard to what is going to happen if Democrats continue to lead this country because we're two years into Joe Biden's leadership and things are not looking good. But what is looking good right now is Donald Trump's uh, run for president. I'm just going to give you guys some more updates here. Ashley St. Clair is currently at his announcement and she is live tweeting Trump has just come out and he has said America's comeback starts now. I'm kind of just monitoring her account. Now at Mar-a-Lago, Trump was just introduced as the next president of the United States. That came out seven minutes ago. And then she said that uh, Trump is talking about China playing a very active role in the 2020 elections. So again, just more updates on that front for you. Going back to the Gen Z vote, though, um, I did find a clip from a little while ago. This is from a couple years back of Kamala Harris talking about Gen Z, talking about these younger voters and the reality of why they vote in Democrat politicians. Let's listen. What else do we know about this population, 18 through 24? They are stupid. (laughs) That is why we put them in dormitories and they have a resident assistant. They make really bad decisions. So that's probably the first and only time that Kamala Harris has actually said something accurate, worthwhile, or just mildly true. Good job to her. Again, that clip is old, but it does highlight very well this demographic, right, of like, let's say 18 to even 27 year olds. Who elected John Fetterman to Senate? That's right, my friends, 18 to 29 year olds. 
Pennsylvania's young voters, those aged 18 to 29, helped power Democratic U.S. Senator-elect John Fetterman and Governor-elect Josh Shapiro to victory on Tuesday night over their Republican challengers. About 27 percent of the voters aged 18 to 29 cast a ballot in Tuesday's elections, according to Circle data, making this midterm cycle the second highest youth voter turnout in almost three decades. So if you look into the data, the state's younger voters, whose turnout mirrored national trends, favored Fetterman by 19 points, contributing 120,000 net votes to Fetterman's 185,000 vote victory. The same dynamic held true in the race for Pennsylvania's governor. Younger voters preferred Shapiro by 26 points over Republican Doug Mastriano. So there is the next generation electing people such as this. This is a real TikTok that John Fetterman created watched back and legitimately put out as a senator thinking it was a good idea. Who will be the next senator? Who could be the crucial 51st vote in Washington? Will it be John Fetterman or uh, TV star Dr. Mehmet Oz? It me. So there you guys go. Um, giving you two more updates from Trump's speech live. Ashley St. Clair tweeting out uh, Trump quote, Joe Biden has intentionally surrendered our energy independence. The New York Post officially put out Donald Trump announces his 2024 presidential run. Uh, Trump quote again, Ukraine would never have happened if I were still president. We're actually going to be getting into Ukraine here in a moment. Um, but before we jump off of the topic of Gen Z, sorry, I'm giving you live time reporting on top of giving you the show here. I saw this image, if you will. It says a nation dies when its people no longer recognize the importance of family. And this is an important example of why we have gotten to where we have gotten in our country. A lot of people were shocked last week when people willingly voted for Democrats because at the top of the complaint list for the average American was inflation rates, was high crime rates, was the economy imploding, was people you know, unable to afford groceries, fearing losing their job because of the inflation rates. And many people asked, how is it that Democrats still got elected and put into power? It's because we have completely degraded our morals and values as a country, which again is why I think that Donald Trump is going to be a powerful leader. Uh, one of the things that Donald Trump is good at is, uh, you know, preaching these types of morals and values and preaching these this Christianity and like trying to bring I wouldn't necessarily say like he tries to bring God to the forefront of his politics. I wouldn't necessarily say that, but I would say that Donald Trump does try to focus in on the family. He does try to focus in on your middle-class American who's just trying to make it work. And the reason why Democrats got into power, the reason why we are degrading so rapidly is because we have completely lost those values. If you do look at the people who are currently moving out of a lot of these crime-ridden cities, their families, their mothers and fathers who say, I do not want my child raised this way. I do not want my child to fear having to walk down the street. I do not want my child to be potentially stabbed by a criminal who has just been let out from jail after committing 27 other crimes. I don't want that for my family. We've degraded that so much that as a country, this is something that also came out of the midterms last week, Montana referendum number 131 was voted against. Now, this required medical care for infants that were born alive. This was called the uh, Born Alive Infant Protection Act out of Montana. People voted against this. 
they voted no to a baby who survived the botched abortion abortion being given medical care. They voted to allow that baby to die a slow and sad death on a cold steel hospital table after being brutally ripped out of its mother. That's where we're currently at as a country. Now, NPR, going back to the reinforcement of a lot of these ideologies by our media, for example, abortion is a good thing. NPR put up this segment of a recording of a mother getting an abortion. And we're going to listen to it. It's tough to listen to, but this is what the Democratic Party advocates for. They're the party of death, destruction, and to be quite honest, literal child sacrifice. That's what abortion is. This is what that party campaigns on. And like Eric Swalwell did very well, they scare their base into thinking that Republicans are going to arrest women who are getting abortions, that Republicans are going to turn America into the handmaid's tale where women are being treated as incubators and we're just being raped willy-nilly by men to repopulate the earth. The left-wing radical progressives, a lot of these people behind the scenes in big tech and in media have done an incredible job of influencing and brainwashing the next generation and targeting this next generation. Listen to this clip from NPR. It's a little bit long, but very worth listening to in its entirety. She's from Michigan. She already has one kid. She's having her abortion at about 11 weeks. Nearly all abortions in Michigan are before 13 weeks. And like many patients at Northland, she said I could record her procedure. We're going to hear some of that now. So I'm just going to get you set up on the table, and we're going to do that sedation medicine. Okay. I'm going to pull this out under your legs. Most patients are partially awake during the procedures. They get IV medication for pain and anxiety. The lights are dimmed. There's soothing music. It actually feels a lot like a childbirth. The medical gown, your bare legs and stirrups. You're going to hear this machine turn on now. Okay, it makes a loud noise. Just keep breathing, Brandy tells her over and over. I can't, the patient says at one point, when the cramps get painful. Yes, you can, Brandy tells her. You're doing it. And then within just a couple of minutes, it's over. Take some deep breaths for me. Catch your breath. You did it. So there was a live recording of a woman getting her baby sucked out of her and murdered. NPR highlighting this as a beautiful thing. The doctors and nurses, as they suck the baby out of her uterus, saying, oh, you did it. Great job. You did such a good job. Donald Trump Jr. tweeting out in live time, two years ago, we were a great nation and soon we will be a great nation again. Quote from President Donald Trump. Again, he is currently giving his live speech. And I am reading a couple of your comments uh, from viewers that are listening and saying, oh, Sav, did you like Operation Warp Speed and lockdowns? And again, 
I've already told you people many times that I don't agree with everything that Donald Trump has done. However, if you listen to the beginning of my show, I've been highlighting and focusing in on Republican infighting and how that is not going to help anyone. The Republican Party right now is void of leadership. It's void of messaging. And it's void of somebody who is willing to stand up and make strong, bold statements. I think that Ron DeSantis could be that person. But to be quite honest with you, pitting Ron DeSantis against Donald Trump, I don't feel like is going to be the winning ticket. I do think that Donald Trump deserves his second term. And then I do believe that Ron DeSantis deserves his two terms as president as well. I think that Donald Trump, uh, you know, should be granted his next presidential term. He should be allowed to run. He does have a lot of energy behind him still. And I think that instead of, again, dividing our base, we should be smart and strategic about this. So we'll see what Trump does. We'll see what happens. And I know a lot of you are not happy with his commentary on Ron DeSantis. But guess what, baby? That's politics. Blood sport. You think that somebody who is a legitimate opponent and competitor to Donald Trump, he is not going to bash and put down. It's Donald Trump for crying out loud. Who did you think he was? Now, Candace Owens even, too, because I did play on my show the counter opinion to why Donald Trump should not run. I talked about Matt Walsh and Candace Owens kind of calling out Trump, saying that he was not a good leader, that he's not humble, that he's arrogant, that he doesn't listen. I've taken all of that into consideration. I personally, after doing extensive research over this past couple of days, and again, going back to the divide in Republican leadership and how weak our party is, we'll see if Ron DeSantis one announces his run, because by the way, guys, of course, I'm going to back Donald Trump for candidate as of now. Ron DeSantis hasn't even announced yet. Do we know that Ron DeSantis maybe even wants to run for president yet? I'm sure he does. Many people speculating that he does. And when that happens, we will see which of the two candidates is better. But as of now, Ron DeSantis focused in on running his his state of Florida, doing a great job of that. Ron DeSantis as well has not always had the best track record. We can discuss that too. So those of you in the comment who are saying, oh, Sav, you're an idiot, go ahead and tune out now. Congrat congratulations. I have a countering opinion from this. What I'm seeing right now, again, is weak leadership from the Republican Party. Has Donald Trump done a bad job previously of surrounding himself with weak people? Yes. But I'm, I'm hoping that Donald Trump has learned, okay, especially from these midterms, too, with all of the people in the GOP who called for him not to run. Hopefully he's a smart man, which I do think that he is. Hopefully he's smart enough to see all of the people who called him out during these midterms, all of the people who, instead of trying to help elect the proper America First candidates to office, instead turned their backs on that these candidates and then try to blame Donald Trump for it. My focus isn't in on Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis right now. What I am highlighting is that Trump is announcing his run. He does seem like a very strong candidate right now. Look at our competitors. It's the freaking Democrat Party who miraculously see, keeps seeming to win elections. And as a party, instead of focusing in on pitting these candidates against one another, I think we need to back the strongest candidate we have, put all of our focus and energy into one person, and then look at how we fix our election system. That's my commentary as of now. That could change because guess what, guys? I'm a human being. And as I educate myself and as I see things come out, my opinions do change. Um, so again, for those of you who are not happy with my rhetoric and commentary as of now, congratulations. I'm giving you guys news in live time. So uh, there you guys go. It has been
officially announced Trump 2024. He plans on making America great again. We will see what happens and hopefully we can because again, the loss of values, the loss of morals and the loss of traditional family in this country have led us to complete and utter destruction. Now, the New York Post put this article out that says sperm counts worldwide have plunged 62% in under 50 years. Um, During the same period, the concentration of sperm among men dropped by more than 51% from 101.2 million to 49 million sperm per millimeter of semen, according to the peer-reviewed study published Tuesday in the journal Human Reproductive Update. Now, I was on Jack Posobiec's show today uh, discussing this issue and the repercussions of having weak men as leaders in our society, which we're talking about right now, um, but understand where this country will head, where this country is at, and what our future will look like if we continue to push weak men into leadership roles. Again, up to you to decide if you think that Donald Trump is a weak man or a strong man. We all have our own opinions. And one of the things that I've always told all of my viewers is don't listen to every single thing that I say and take it as biblical truth. Come up with your own opinions. Formulate your own thoughts on Donald Trump versus Ron DeSantis. If you disagree with me, good. Let me know in the the comments why you prefer Ron DeSantis, why you prefer Trump, who you think the better candidate it is, and tell me why you think that. Because I like to learn, I like to expand my horizons there. That's another big issue, um, you know, in the modern day is that no one has the ability to talk to one another anymore. It's like, oh, if you don't back Trump, I can't, I can't speak to you. Oh, if you like Donald Trump, I can't speak to you. That's why we lose, guys. That's why we're freaking losers. The Democratic Party is great at something, and that's called tribalism. No matter who it is, they put all of their energy, resources, time, all of their ferocity into backing their candidates. We don't do that on the Republican side, and that's why we freaking lose. That's why Republicans are losers, to be quite honest. And to give you another example as well of how the left wing is targeting the next generation and trying to normalize all of this insanity for these people, The National Education Association says educators love their students and know better than anyone what they need to learn to thrive. Here's another example of some big organization here in the United States trying to say that it should be the state raising your child, not parents. Lauren Chen comments, please keep telling parents that you know better how to raise their children. Please keep going. School choice is getting a huge boost nationwide, and I feel like we have you to thank for it. Now, Going into our education system and how flawed it is, we have been talking about gender ideology and how destructive that is to the next generation. You know, Stephen Crowder said, oh, we need to be uh, telling Gen Z all of the lies that the Democrats told to them as a way to get them elected. Yeah, Gen Z can't even decide which bathroom to use. Gen Z thinks that there's 50 genders. Gen Z thinks it's okay to be racist towards white people because you can't be racist towards a white person. If you're discriminating against somebody for their skin tone, um, As long as they're white, it's okay. Gen Z is probably the dumbest generation I've ever seen in my life. I'm sorry, it's true. Maybe it's just more out in the open because of social media. But Gen Z is the TikTok generation. And we have read the studies here that talks about how TikTok in China versus TikTok in the United States are two very different things because TikTok in the United States, keep in mind, this is a Chinese owned app. They're pushing all of this dumbed down, stupid content onto this next generation that is then voting people like John Fetterman into a Senate seat, into leadership roles and further degrading our country. Now going into our education system, the New York 
Times put this story out. Such a whopper. A 10-year-old boy walked into the nurse's office of his school in Highland, New York, and asked for Vaseline. He wanted to rub it onto his new tattoo, which he got with his mother's permission. The nurse called the police. The boy's mother was arrested. Now, let me see if I can click into this article. It's from the New York Times, so it might not let me. That's what I thought. But uh, it basically says in this article that the reason why the police were called is because this uh, 10-year-old kid did not have the like mental development to decide on whether or not he should get a tattoo, which is permanent, right? Now, this comes from New York. Yes, the same New York where from Spectrum News in New York says trans kids treatments can now start younger, new guidelines say. A leading transgender health associate has lowered its recommended minimum age for starting gender transition treatment, including sex hormones and surgeries. Now, the World Professional Association for Transgender Health said hormones could be started at age 14, two years earlier than the group's previous advice. Some surgeries done at 15 or 17 a year or so earlier than previous guidance. The group acknowledged potential risk, but said it is unethical and harmful to withhold early treatment. So that's New York for you. Yeah, allow your 10-year-old child to get a tattoo. Police are called straight to jail. No more kid for you. That's actually not what happened. I'm exaggerating that. But, um, you know, if your kid gets a tattoo, that's reasoning to call the police. But if your kid wants to cut off their body parts because they have gender confusion via our education system, that's okay from New York as well. Bill to protect access to gender-affirming care being considered by state legislature. Elected officials in New York are weighing new legislation in the state Senate that would seek to make the state a safe heaven for transgender youth by protecting access to gender-affirming care. The bill basically ensuring that children could not be taken from the custody of their parents who allowed their children to pursue gender-affirming care. So this is something that we've consistently seen On top of that, we had a trans man winning the New Hampshire beauty contest. And the saddest part about this clip, too, is that you have three beautiful white women behind him all clapping and cheering because they've been conditioned to think that this is normal in society and that this is a beautiful, progressive thing. That when you have an obese potato in a red dress that doesn't even look remotely close to a woman, when you have a man running in your beauty pageant contest, whatever, and it wins, he wins. It's a beautiful thing that needs to be applauded. No, this is disgusting, to be quite honest with you. And it's very sad to see an entire generation that is now voting, by the way, applaud this type of thing that just goes to show you how brainwashed they are. Uh, Again, going further into where we're at as a country, because not only are we a laughing stock internationally, because our president can't even attend a leadership dinner with world leaders because he's too tired and sick and old and dementia-ridden, Uh, The United States is uh, now no longer just putting the red stripes on the crest of the um, USA soccer team emblem. It's now going to be redesigned with a crest with rainbow colors ahead of the World Cup in Qatar. It's now a blue USA with LGBTQ color stripes below it, because that's what we prioritize in America. We prioritize this small minority community and we give them so much power over our society 
And it's because it is a reflection of the cultural rot that has been allowed to take place in this country and has spread like a cancer to where you can't have a 10-year-old with a tattoo, but your 14-year-old can chop off their body parts because it's the latest fad to be transgender and that's what's cool in school. So that's what all the kids are doing. Fast forward freaking five, six years, that kid is permanently altered for life and has regrets. Yeah, there's a lot of transgender, detransitioner adults who continue to come out with their stories and talk about how it was a phase, they grew out of it, and we shouldn't be targeting kids with this, but they're silenced, they're suppressed, and they're told that they're public enemy number one. So going back to Donald Trump's announcement for run, Going back to the divide in Republican leadership, we need to fix our country. We need to get things back on track. And we need strong leaders to do so. Because there's a lot going on right now. A lot of corruption, a lot of people who need to be held accountable, a lot of people who need to be kicked out of the GOP because they're self-serving and they care more for their selfish desire to hold power than to actually fix this country. I think Ukraine is one of the best examples of that, right? We have Mike Pompeo <sighs> coming forward saying that conservatives need to make the case that helping Ukraine defeat Putin is in our interest. It will strengthen our national security, the tariff bow, and lower costs for Americans. Now, when I first saw this tweet, I thought it was immediately an absolute joke because conservatives don't need to make the case that helping Ukraine defeat Putin is in our interest because it's not. You know what's in our interest? Securing our own border, securing our own country, funding our own country, strengthening our own national security. It's absolutely hilarious to me that we view Russia as more of a threat than all of the illegal immigrants that are pouring through our border every single day, voting in our elections, changing our demographic, and also a part of the implosion of our entire country. We need to be deterring the foe that is MS-13, that is China, who is sending fentanyl across our border. I was watching a documentary last night. Um, this Canadian drug dealer was talking about how easy it is to get fentanyl on the dark web from China. You buy it for a hundred bucks, you pay the $50 express fee, and you have fentanyl show up at your door the next day from China. I, I want to venture to say that that's most likely a direct result of our, you know, lax border policies here in the United States. Canada, completely different, but we have seen a huge surge in fentanyl crossing our own border. A lot of this coming in from China. What about our national security there? What about the foe of China that is slowly overtaking our country? What about lowering costs for Americans by not sending another 400 million or another billions and billions, hundreds of billions of dollars to Ukraine. This came out last week. U.S. sends another 400 millions in weapons to Ukraine. And then um, this one came out today. Biden requests $9.25 billion for COVID and almost $40 billion for Ukraine from Congress. So, okay, Mike Pompeo, if you want to worry about saving money and lowering costs for Americans, maybe we should stop sending all of our hard-earned taxpayer dollars to Ukraine. Which, by the way, was partnered with a top Democrat donor, crypto company FTX, as Joe Biden funded that war effort.
If you guys haven't heard of FTX, this has been just a doozy of a story here. Now, this is a multi-billion dollar cryptocurrency company that basically stole billions of dollars from its investors and reallocated the funds to Democrats' pockets, to Ukraine, right? So they sent the money to Ukraine, they were partnered with Ukraine, and I'm sure that a lot of that money that maybe potentially got sent to Ukraine ended up back in the pockets of the Democrats who were pushing more funding for Ukraine. <laughs> Isn't that funny how that works? The multi-billion dollar cryptocurrency company FTX run by CEO Sam Bankman-Fried, the second biggest Democrat donor right after George Soros, collapsed last week as details emerged regarding their financial practices, which led to a run by customers on FTX. FTX did not have the funds to pay out. To pay out. It was also revealed that FTX had partnered with Ukraine to process donations to their war efforts within days of Joe Biden pledging billions of American taxpayer donors to the country. Ukraine partnered with FTX as the Biden administration funneled funds to the invaded nation, and FTX then made massive donations to Democrats in the United States. Wow. Isn't that kind of funny how that works? Nancy Pelosi wears a... America, Ukraine, lapel, flag pin. And then her very own party gets funded by FTX, the second biggest donor to the Democratic Party, with the billions potentially that we are sending to Ukraine. Hmm. Super funny how that all works out. Now... This clip came out as well. This was from uh, Bloomberg... There's a Bloomberg uh, forum on economy just to give you guys more insight into FTX, which was donating to Democrats, which was working with Ukraine. <sighs> this is this is the reality of FTX. This is the reality of how Democrats are using Ukraine as a money laundering front. We know that this country has been corrupt. We know that it's been used for mon money laundering time many times before we know that biden has you know ties to hunter biden his son who worked for burisma in ukraine we know that there was a lot of corruption that was coming out of that country and remember too that kevin mccarthy because i read this article regarding ukraine in our last show he was basically saying like oh yeah we need to watch where the funds to ukraine are going I would love a speaker of the house who says no more funding to Ukraine. It's done. They need to have peace talks. They need to work it out. We need to stop funding this proxy war. We need to stop wasting American taxpayer dollars. Uh, look at FTX, how um, Democrats were just laundering money via Ukraine. Yeah, we're done with Ukraine. Enough. Secure our own border. Secure our own infrastructure. Stop putting the interests of foreign countries above our own. Uh, that's who I would love to see as Speaker of the House, but one can wish. Here is FTX and the reality of this Democrat uh, money laundering scheme. That, that all of us are worried about. You know, on the balance sheet of FTX is a line called Trump lose. And Sam was the second biggest donor to Democratic candidates. I'm going to leave it to everybody else to draw their own conclusions about what you're saying here. Right. Those are those are really, really ugly facts when you see a fraud of this magnitude having played out and you find no regulators were there to prevent it.
wow, no regulators were there to prevent it. Isn't it funny how a lot of these um, regulators that are supposed to be monitoring companies like FTX, like end up being paid off or best buds with these people. And then, you know, they kind of like all work in tandem to make sure that these companies are successful and they're able to launder money a little bit easier. I don't know. This is just, you know, crazy conspiracies that I'm coming up with. Oh, they were tied to the World Economic Forum and they um, actually... FTX sponsored the World Economic Forum, but now that has been removed from the WEF website. Why would they scrub that? Why would they try to rewrite history like this? Very strange. I don't know. Giving you guys a quick update on our own economy as well. Um, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos warns a recession is looming and Americans should prepare for the worst. Jeff Bezos warned the U.S. economy is likely to slump in a painful recession. Amazon's billionaire founder advised consumers and businesses to delay purchases and stockpile cash. Bezos recently suggested it was time to batten down the hatches. So there you go. You have a billionaire out here being like, yeah, recession's going to get um pretty bad and people are going to lose their jobs just like uh, yeah, maybe 10,000 of my Amazon employees. This also came out yesterday. Amazon plans to lay off approximately 10,000 people as soon as this week per the New York Times. Now, I also saw this image today and I thought it was very interesting. Lower income, less educated voiceless people are so much easier to control. Poverty is not by accident, it's by design. Now, what we are going to see as a result, a direct result of Joe Biden's economic policy is more poverty, is people getting kicked out of their houses, is people's cars being repoed, because we do live in a you'll own nothing and be happy society. I mean, think about the fact that the average person in the modern day, like we're already living through the Great Reset, right? Does the average person own their home? No, even if they do own their home, they're still paying property taxes to the government. Does the average person own their own car? No, it's purchased via credit. Does the average person even own the own clothes on their back? Probably not. Probably bought with a credit card and they're in loads of debt. Which is really interesting to me because the more I think about it, the more I realize like credit cards in themselves were like the soft introduction into the great reset and owning nothing and it being normalized to just have to you know pay off these debts to other people for everything that you own one of my friends most recently actually was telling me about this clothes subscription service where you can get new clothes every single month and i was like oh that's actually really cool and she was like yeah i actually don't own any of my clothes they're rented technically and i kind of just cycle through them and you know send in the pieces send the pieces back every single month. And immediately what popped in my head was the great reset. You'll own nothing and be happy. So even with these subscription services, and maybe I'm making a reach here and that sounds crazy, but I feel like this in itself is the soft introduction to owning nothing and being happy. You don't even own the clothes on your own back. I don't know. That's just me speculating here. But going back to this graphic about, you know, uh, the lower income people, being easier to control. That's so true because when you are lower income and you are living in poverty, you are going to want to depend on the government and the welfare state even more. The government then becomes your daddy. Look at the majority of people who voted in Democrats. It was single unmarried women because the government is now their husband. Less educated people, look at our current education system right now. We have progressive radical leftists targeting our youth and trying to tell them that there are 50 genders, that Republicans are evil Nazis, that communism is an incredible thing. They're educating them with 
like the easiest, dumbest takes that, you know, they can digest and, and they're, they're laying them out for them as this beautiful, incredible thing. And yeah, the Republican base definitely does need to do a better job of targeting the youth and putting things out in layman's terms. So people are more drawn to our side because Democrats do a very good job of that. So one of the ways that we do impoverish a country is by overrunning them with illegal immigrants, a.k.a. what is currently happening to us right now. Now, finally, Greg Abbott, recently reelected governor of Texas, announced an invasion of our southern border. He invoked the invasion clause of both the state and federal constitution in an attempt to put an end to the border crisis. In a statement posted to Twitter, Abbott explained that by treating the flow of illegal migration as an invasion, Texas would be able to tackle the problem with unprecedented vigor. Now, remember that it was six counties in one city back in July of this year who were already declaring an invasion because this was a pretty big issue. But I think that Greg Abbott wanted to wait until his reelection to declare an invasion. Um, it bothers me that he didn't already do this beforehand because this has been an issue. I already gave you those numbers for the fiscal year of 2021. We saw over 1.7 million illegals cross our border. And then again, for 2022, we've already topped almost 3 million illegals. Um, the I can't remember off the top of my head. It's called FAIR, F-A-I-R. Um, it's basically like analysis for immigration. They did their own numbers and they were saying, you know, with the amount of people who were detained or arrested by Border Patrol, plus the number of Godways, we're looking at upwards of 5 million illegal immigrants that have made their way into the United States of America. And that in itself is going to directly tie to Americans themselves being impoverished because we're going to have illegal immigrants taking away jobs. We're going to have illegal immigrants depending on our system that the American taxpayer is going to be paying for. Remember in California, they are allowing um, free health care for illegal immigrants over there. I did go over that story. I'll bring it up again for the next show so we can all realize the realities of illegal immigration. Um, but Greg Abbott finally declaring an invasion very late, in my opinion, but at least he's finally doing it. He's also saying that he's uh, busing illegal immigrants to Philadelphia. He also sent a bus to Chicago the other day. He said the Lone Star State will continue doing more than any state in history to secure our border, including adding more sanctuary cities as drop-off locations for our busing strategy. Again, this is not something that I necessarily agree with. I think we should be sending them straight back across the border, not further into the country. But if the sanctuary cities are going to um, take the migrants in, then they can go use their resources over there. Again, I think that this is a this is a bad mindset to have and it's a failing strategy, but that's where we're currently at. Um, an example of what it would look like if we did send these illegal immigrants back across the border. Uh, Juarez right now is dealing with a huge migrant crisis. Venezuelan migrants expelled to Juarez struggle to find shelter. I want to give you guys an example of what this looks like. My good friend Jorge Ventura went to Juarez and what you're seeing here is what looks like maybe, maybe not like almost a hundred tents. I don't want to say hundreds, but maybe a hundred tents here lined up on the other side of the border wall in El Paso, mind you. And they're all camping out there. And you have hordes of these Venezuelans who have since been expelled under Title 42. Um, there are some pictures from Jorge's reporting there of how 
horrific the crisis has gotten. Remember the clip that we played the other week of Venezuelans trying to surge Border Patrol with the Venezuelan flag, um, throwing rocks at Border Patrol and Border Patrol having to fend them off with pepper balls. I'm giving you an example of what's been happening in El Paso. One week earlier, more than 2,000 migrants were crossing into El Paso every single day. Most of them were processed and released to travel elsewhere in the United States, but that changed on October 12th when the Biden administration announced that the United States would use Title 42, a public health order to expel Venezuelans crossing the southern border between ports of entry. So just an example of the border crisis that I'm glad Greg Abbott has finally decided to take control of. Sorry, this is a long show tonight, guys. I was very sick, so I'm trying to get through everything that we missed over this past week. Now, one of the things that entered the news and has since completely vanished is the shooting that happened at the University of Virginia. Yeah, I believe that's that's what it is, University of Virginia. Let me just go ahead and fact check myself here. Yeah, University of Virginia. Suspected gunmen, uh, I believe, killed three, injured two others. Now, normally, when there is a school shooting at a university, at a high school, whatever you will, it's in the media for days, for weeks, forever. It is badgered into each and every single one of our brains that guns are horrific and that white supremacy is a problem. Now, this shooting, for some reason, came and went. I wonder why. If you're a podcast listener, it's because the shooter was black. I'm not even, I'm just going to put it in layman's terms for you guys. I'm just going to be very blunt with it. Every single time there's a black mass shooter or, you know, black on white crime, the media doesn't give a damn about it. And it uh, goes away pretty much immediately. This is like genuinely like my stress soap at this point. I have my little like old country soap in a bag over here and I'm just like squeezing it because I'm just so frustrated with where we're at as a country. So just wanted to highlight that and uh, the reality of our media. Now, Elon Musk, we're going to end the show on a very positive note here because I hit you with a lot of uh, reality and a lot of why as right-wingers we continue to lose. Now, a beautiful thing has happened since Elon Musk has taken over as CEO ultimate leader of Twitter. Now, the media has been putting out a lot of stories about Elon Musk, but unfortunately for them, he has the ability to respond in live time. Now, I've been monitoring this, and it's been very interesting to me to see how easily the media has been able to lie to us about people, situations. I mean, we've known about this, but with the ability of Elon Musk to respond in live time, He's able to shut down these fake news stories instantly, and it's beautiful to see. For example, Reuters put this out on November 11th. Exclusive, Tesla is considering exporting China-made electric cars to the U.S., a reversal that would reflect the automaker's deepening cost advantage at its Shanghai plant and slower demand from Chinese consumers. And then Elon Musk just comments, false, no, that, no that's not true, it, it's false. It gets almost a quarter million likes to Reuters' 30,000 likes on Twitter. This is a game changer. The ability for people to, in a live time like Elon Musk, put the media in their place and call out fake news stories, and it gets so much better. 
So word around is that Elon Musk has ordered his Ireland workforce back to Dublin by Monday or else. There's literally not enough housing in Dublin for them to do so. And then it's this screenshot of a story of this person in Dublin saying that they're currently employed by a contracted company working for Twitter, but there's a housing crisis over there and, uh, you know, they, they, they can't... Uh, they, they just they can't be in the office. Elon Musk immediately responds and said, this is false. Anyone who can be in the office should be. However, if not logistically possible or they have essential personal matters, then staying home is fine. Working remotely is OK. Same policy as Tesla and SpaceX. Shut down in live time ASAP. Amazing. Now, another story that has been trying to Elon, uh, demonize Elon Musk is that he planned on beginning to make his employees pay for their own lunch coach could you imagine your boss making you pay for oh wait that's literally everybody in america my bad so apparently at twitter which was essentially a giant babysitting headquarter for the baby adults who grew up in a safe space and who needed you know their 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 their, their re relaxation days because work is just so hard and like we need to just like have safe spaces and make sure that we're monitoring um right-wing fascists and shutting down reports that we decide are like super mean it's really hard for us to ruin people's careers and delete them so like we usually need days off for like you know like a mental refresher and um we also get free lunch yeah, Elon Musk is like, no, we're done with that. So, you know, you have people, the New York Times uh, reporting on this. You have people promoting how evil Elon Musk is because employees are going to have to pay for their lunch. And um, it's really interesting because he responded to this saying, especially bizarre, Given that no, almost no one came to the office, estimated cost per lunch served in the past 12 months was over $400. Now, you had a Twitter employee who ran this program up until a week ago when she resigned because she didn't want to work for Elon saying that for bre breakfast and lunch, we actually spent 20 to 25 a day per person. This enabled employees to work through lunchtime in meetings. Attendance was anything from 20 to 50% in the offices. So actually, Elon, you're wrong. So Elon responds to Tracy and says, false Twitter spends $13 million a year on food services for San Francisco headquarters. Badge and records show peak occupancy was 25%, average occupancy below 10%. There are more people preparing breakfast than eating breakfast. Now, you might say, Seb, what, why are you talking about? This is, this is a waste of my time. No, this is a beautiful example of why the left-wing progressives did not want Elon Musk running Twitter and why they are getting fired in droves right now because they were not tech employees. They were not there to make a better platform for all American citizens. They were all radical activists, the majority, not all of them, but a large part of them were radical activists intent on censoring people they didn't agree with, intent on essentially ushering in 1984, changing definitions, running cover for the current administration in office, running cover who, you know, who for whoever the DOJ and FBI deem necessary. That's who was inside of Twitter. And Elon Musk has the beautiful ability now to call out this BS in line time. 
Another person who was recently fired was Yoel Roth, the Twitter executive who censored the post-Hunter Biden expose. Well, he quit. He wasn't fired. He was quit. There are quite a few Twitter engineers that are being fired right now, and it's absolutely beautiful to watch, to be quite honest with you, because they're basically throwing these public tantrums on Twitter, and they're like, Elon Musk is doing a bad job. This is why he's doing a bad job. And then Elon Musk comes and counters it, and then they're like, F you, Elon, I don't like you. And then he's like, okay, you're fired. It's it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible, which is why the Biden administration is now trying to watch over Elon Musk. It's why daddy government is coming in and making sure that Elon Musk is not going to be able to so easily create a flourishing town square where everybody can speak freely and, uh, you know, have countering thoughts and opinions. Now, Joe Biden was quoted saying that Elon Musk is worth looking into. Now, the amount of people that are worth looking into, <clears throat> Dr. Fauci, might be at the top of that list. I don't know. But no, Elon Musk is public enemy number one because he had the audacity to bring free speech back to the masses because he has the audacity to call out the media on their fake news story in live time and allow the public to independently report on news like people like myself who were deleted. He wants to bring back independent reporting to Twitter so that the American citizens who are actually living things on the ground can show other American citizens what's actually going on instead of having NBC, CNN, or MSNBC or Reuters writing the narrative for them. Um, by the way, the NBC reporter who put out that piece on Paul Pelosi basically telling the truth about what happened that night has since been suspended from the network. NBC suspense correspondent after network was forced to retract exclusive report on how Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul, calmly opened the door to cops and then walked towards hammer intruder who bludgeoned him. This is Miguel Almaguer, 45, who is a correspondent with NBC's Today Show. He has been suspended after he reported inaccurate information on Paul Pelosi's attack. So that's what happens when you tell the truth in the mainstream media. Um, you get fired because you're not allowed to tell the truth. Why do you think so many people in the political space are independent? Because in the left wing and in the right wing, what you say and what you do gets very much controlled. And this poor NBC correspondent accidentally told the truth and now is suspended over it. All right, last two stories and then we'll end the show. Russian missiles cross into NATO member Poland, killing two senior U.S. intelligent officials says. Now, this story came out this morning. I'm reading this headline off of Fox News. This has since been updated and Joe Biden has come forward and said, oh, we're not we're not sure if it was, um, you know, Russian missiles. The Pentagon as well said it could not corroborate reports um, regarding whether or not it was Russian missiles that crossed into Poland at this time. Um, whoever sent this missile strike on Poland Seems to uh, really want World War III to happen, really wants NATO to be involved in the Russia-Ukraine war. I don't know. It's just interesting to me. It's just very interesting to me. Anyways, guys, we're going to wrap up with, again, um, that highlight that Donald Trump officially announcing his run for president in 2024. Uh, Michael Knowles tweeting out, notice how Trump's entire announcement speech is focused on foreign policy and issues strongly influenced by foreign policy. That is issues beyond the scope of governors. Very interesting there. Okay. Michael's been pretty good. I think he's been one of the only people at the Daily Wire who has advocated for Trump, whereas everyone else has been more uh, pro-DeSantis. So um, 
there Trump is quoted again, we will defend the family as the center of American life. What was I telling you? I know a lot of you guys are hating on me right now because you're like, Sav, Donald Trump, this and that. And I've, I've said it before. If you're just tuning into my show for the first time, I have been one that has been at the forefront of condemning Donald Trump for Operation Warp Speed and his handling of COVID-19. But if you're new here, welcome in. Maybe go listen to the hundreds of hours of other content that I put out. Um, but uh, there was a very in-depth show for you guys today. I apologize. It went a little bit longer than our typical hour. I had a lot to get to. I'm still a little bit under the weather, so apologies if I mumbled and bumbled my way through the show tonight, but I appreciate you guys for tuning in as always. Big shout out to our sponsor, Old Country Soap. Remember to use coupon code SAV, S-A-V, for 20% off of your order. It's my favorite soap, and if you want skin like Sav's, you've got to get the best soap that Sav uses, right? OldCountrySoap.com, coupon code SAV. Uh, also, go check out my website, SavsIsOfficial.com, for all of my reporting. I put all of my articles on there, so if you ever want to see what I've been up to, my my censored videos, my articles, like basically everything that I've ever done are on my website. Go check it out. Also leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do like to listen to the show, maybe you don't want to, uh, you know, come back on YouTube or maybe you're going to come back on YouTube and you have saying, oh, I'll just watch that show tomorrow. And then the entire show is completely gone. You can always listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. If you do listen on Apple Pod, go leave me a five-star review. I do read every single review. If you like the show, leave five stars. If you hate it, maybe leave me one. I like all criticism. I like all commentary regarding what I need to do better, what I need to do worse. I don't know. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez. I was on Jack Posobiec's show, Human Events Daily, today, talking about the Great Reset, talking about the border crisis here in Texas. Go check that out. I was also shooting a man on the street that will be dropping tomorrow. And then... I did this show for you guys tonight. And as soon as I log off here, I'm going to go hit the gym. So you guys better be doing the same thing. Make sure you're lifting your weights. Make sure you're slunking those raw eggs. Make sure you're taking your beef liver supplements. I swear by these things. Make sure you're nourishing your body, mind, and spirit. Because the only way we take America back is by getting those sperm counts up, boys. So uh, chop, chop, get to it. Take care of your body. Go lift some heavy weights and go start a family. All right, guys. Love you to death. I'll see you guys next time.